Good evening. Oh, there we go. Excellent. I was trying to stall a minute. Pat's running late, but um, he is coming. Court noticed one of the things I was going to say tonight. Remember last week I said it's been a good day because I didn't have my tie on. It's been a really good day when you don't even have the suit on or the tie on. Emily and I had a chance to go out to eat on the way over here. It's like we didn't even know what to do with ourselves. It was kind of nice. She did say she was really excited this past week for the first time since we moved here. She went an entire seven days without needing her coat. She was in Nashville. I should clarify that. <laughs> she didn't get back till late last night. So. <laughs> um, but I did notice right away the, the white on the mountains. It was like just overnight. All of a sudden the mountains are covered halfway. So it's beautiful. I was in a meeting with three new people that just moved to Allison Air Force Base in North Pole outside of Fairbanks. There were about 15 of us on the meeting. And one of them said, we got our first snow. So I guess winter's here. We'll have to get used to it. And everybody went, oh, no, 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 no. Winter's not here yet. <laughs> the low was 24. They're like, when it's 60 degrees colder in a few months, we'll, we'll talk. So, all right. Let's uh, open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the day you've blessed us with and for this time as we come together to spend time in your word. Please bless our study and our discussion and what we have to learn from your word. Open our hearts to your message and help us to to learn what you would have us to learn. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Exodus 20, if you want to be turning there, Exodus 20. Do you know just by that chapter... What's located in Exodus 20? I'll stall for a minute, Pat. You're good. What's in Exodus 20? Yeah, the law, the Ten Commandments. Good. <clears throat> so let's, let's just talk just a minute. So as you think about the, the Ten Commandments, we'll think of the law as a whole, but I may use just the term Ten Commandments. As you think about the Ten Commandments, why was it given? What's the purpose? And there's several. To give direction to the people. What do you mean? Do you need a minute to set up? Or are you good? Okay. What do you mean? Okay. Yeah. So, how to follow God. To, to give direction to the people, how to follow God. Okay, good. He was establishing a people. We. Right, and so he was establishing... Not just a people, but his people, right? So if you're going to be different, if you're going to be holy, these are the things that would make you different or holy. Okay, good. So how to follow him, particularly what he wanted. <clears throat> how could they be different or holy? What else? <clears throat> how to treat each other. So we're talking about 1.5 million people. If there is no law and there's no standard, how do you determine what's what? Do you realize that there's no written law that occurs before this in all of mankind that establishes property rights, human rights, right, marriage? Right? I mean, God had established marriage, but he's like, and it means something, and you can't do this. and you Property rights. Where is it? Where are we told? Now, somehow they must have been told, but without this sort of establishment, what keeps me from walking up and taking whatever I want? 
we say it's intrinsically wrong, but why? Because God established it as wrong, right? Um, we establish a people that knows how to interact with one another. This is the foundation for most modern-day judicial systems. And you think, well, you're kind of being really practical. Yes. You have 1.5 million people sitting in the desert with a guy with a staff. You think people got hungry? You think people wanted to fight? You think people thought, I liked his, his donkey better than my donkey? You think they thought, wow, if I had that tent, that's a lot bigger? Oh, she's pretty? Oh, he's a handsome guy? Oh, he's rich? At some point, you've got to say, hey... How are we going to treat each other? How are we going to interact? Right? So how am I going to interact with God? Right? God says, if you want to be my people, how are we going to interact so that we're different, holy, set apart? And then how are we going to treat each other? Right? Um, and so those are all important and practical. Again. Exactly. I mean, that's when I'm talking about Moses' time or current events. This is why this type of established system matters. A people do not exist, a country does not exist, without something that organizes it, without something. Now, God organized this. He actually put in a sense of government, and it was simple. God, right? That was a pretty simple system of government. Now, he will later establish it as God and then a king, right? At some point, it's God and the judges, God and Moses, right? He is, but he established a form of government, God. Moses, everybody else, right? That's the way it works. Now, every country, every people has to establish what makes them a people. How do we act? How do we interact? And then the Ten Commandments are... Was that me or did did I yell all of a sudden? Okay. The Ten Commandments were not actually the Ten Commandments. What I mean by that is God didn't give the Ten Commandments and then walk away and then say, oh, I've got some more stuff. God gave 11 chapters of law. The Ten Commandments were the first ten words. And what happened after those ten words? Anybody remember? The people trembled. They said, wait, God's talking to us. We can't handle this. Moses, you go talk to God and you tell us what he said. And so then God gives the rest of the law in 11 more chapters. It establishes punishment, right? Establishes a lot. Establishes cleanliness. It establishes septic and sewer and health care based on the current standards, right? So there's a practical purpose, the most practical being God's at the top, but there's a practical purpose behind all of this that's set up. And so if you're going to put 1.5 million people through the wilderness and become a people, they have to know what do we do? How do we act? How do we interact? How do we stay safe? How do we stay clean? How do we stay healthy? That's what the law did. Right? It established that for them. And it is the foundation behind which almost every modern-day society, a variation of that until a few that, that varied, those foundational laws of property and safety and value of human life. Right? It's not always the case, but that is the foundation that God established. Now, obviously there is law that existed before this time, and how do we know that? Cain and Abel. Somehow they had been told what to do, right? Because you can't trespass, and what we're told, you can't trespass the law if there is no law that's established. So God had been telling people what he expected, I guess through what I would call the patriarch system, directly talking to people, right? Adam and Eve, he said, this is what you can and can't do. 
Somehow Cain and Abel knew what they were supposed to do because one violated it. Right? So there is law, but this is the first time that we see what that law is and what God expected. I don't know if the law before this was the same. If he said, you know, you don't steal, and everybody went, well, of course not, God. We've known that all of our lives. They went, oh, I can't steal what my neighbor has. We don't know, right? But somehow law existed before this. This is the first time we see it written down and formalized, okay? But my thoughts are that most likely the law existed through God talking directly with the patriarchs and Tony, I don't know if that's that's what I've always... Right. God had spoke to the fathers, right, before, until this. And now he's like, this is for all of you to know. So, all right. So anything about that before we get into some of the laws? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. So for 400 years, they were exposed to Egyptian culture, I'll say, that included idolatry. There was not a value for human life that was the same, right? There was not a value for their property, obviously. So they they were exposed to some of what God didn't want them to be. So even if they at one time knew, and they still may have been taught, he's going, hey, I want to make sure you know this is the law. You've heard a lot of laws over the last 400 years in Egypt. And you've had this Pharaoh guy, and what he said was law, and, you've ele- and he's been elevated. And he's going to establish and say, but this is what it's supposed to be. That's a good point. They've had a lot of influence that was not the right influence over the previous 400 years. All right, we'll walk through these probably at a, uh, we'll spend as much time on them as you want to, but probably at a fairly good pace. But there's a few things I want us to think about when we talk about each of these 10 commandments, Okay. One is, what does the letter of the law say? Because that matters. Number two is, though, I want you to think to the New Testament. Did the Pharisees ever get in trouble for following the letter of the law? No. They are never criticized for following the letter of the law. They are criticized sometimes for only following the letter of the law. So number two is, what is the intent of the law? Okay? We'll see that honor your father and mother, right? Oh, I'll, I'll, what they tell me to do, I'll do. Okay, good. But did Jesus criticize them because they were getting a workaround so that they could not have to give up their money, but they could still say they were honoring their mother and father, right? You know, do not commit adultery. All right. But does Jesus say, hey, you missed the intent of the law, right? So what does the law say? Because that is important. We must obey, right? What is the intent of the law, right? They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So what is the intent of the law? Intent matters, and the heart matters. Do not take that as, oh, I had good intentions, so I didn't have to follow the law. It's not an either or. It is a both. We see people that are condemned for disobeying. We see equal condemnation for obeying with the wrong attitude. So don't think, well, at least I did what he told me. Doesn't matter. You know, hell's pretty hot no matter which way you go there, right? So it doesn't matter whether it's disobeying or missing the intent. So let's look at each of these, and some of them is pretty straightforward, but some of them it may not be. Let's look at what did God say, and let's not doubt that ever. What did he want us to do? And let's see if we know that, because there are times when it goes beyond don't steal, don't commit adultery, right? 
that goes much deeper than those, and we must make sure that we recognize that. So, okay, so the first four commandments are about our relationship with God, okay? So what's the first one? It's pretty easy. No other gods before me, right? That's the first one. Easy, right? Intent is I don't worship a second god. Mm, The intent is deeper than that, much deeper than that. So what that means is I'm not going to have multiple gods. I'm not going to, you know, that's pretty straightforward. But at the time, that would have been a novel idea. This would be the first people that had a god, right? No other people existed since uh, before then, and no other religion up until after Christ existed that only had one god, okay? That would be a unique thing. So the, the, the letter of the law is pretty straightforward, and it is to be honored, right? There will be no other gods before me. I'm, I'm the primo, the only, the one and only. The intent goes beyond, oh, I sacrificed. It goes well beyond that. The intent always has been about priorities because we can say we have no other God, right, before God, but our life might say differently, all right? And that's, that's where the intent gets us, okay? So I've, I've said all along, you want to know what your priorities? When I preached, I've said it twice. I'll say it again tonight. What's your priorities? You want to know what your priorities are? Look at where you spend your time. Look at where you spend your money. That's your God. I promise you every time. Okay? You spend your time and you spend your money on what's most important to you. You want to know what your God is? Go to your checkbook. Take, a, take an account of your time. That'll tell you what your God is. That's the intent of the law. And I don't just mean it's about money, but it's about what do you put first and most important in your life. God is God. He is always God. And he should be the only God. And that's a tough, that's a tough analysis. So that's the intent of the law. Um, I would expand that further because it can be very easy to say, okay, I'm a member of the church. I'm a member of the Church of Christ. I'm a Christian. But... That still means God is God. I'm not a member primarily of Anchorage Church of Christ. I'm not knocking Anchorage Church of Christ. Right? I don't go to a church because I like the preacher. Right? Well, you know, Tony said it, it's right. I hope what Tony says is right. But I'm not worshiping Tony. I'm not putting him first in my life. I'm not putting Anchorage first in my life. I'm putting God's church. I'm putting Christianity first in my life. Right? So if I go to evangelize... I may invite them to the Anchorage Church of Christ, but if they end up at another Bible-following Church of Christ, that is wonderful, that is great. It's about God's kingdom, it's about going to heaven, and it's not about me stealing from other churches. You know, hey, let's go get those people over there and shut that church down. You know, it's, it's, about, it's about God being God, right? And it's very easy to get caught up in the church. We, we get caught up in the preacher or the elders. I go to that church because those elders... That's great, but don't go to a church because of elders, because elders are humans, and they're going to make mistakes. Elders are going to die, and others are going to come in their place. I go to that church because of the preacher. Don't go to the church because of the preacher. Now, if you have an ungodly preacher, that's different, an unscriptural preacher. But don't go there, because that preacher is going to make mistakes. At some point, he's going to say something that you don't like. Right? And if you're going there because of him, you're going to go somewhere else because of him. Right? So that's why you go to church because you're a Christian, because God is first in your life. That's the intent of the command, right? Now, the other thing we'll talk about with each of these is, does this continue into the New Testament? Yes, we see plenty of references in the New Testament about this is not one that went away with the old law, right? But again, it was about the letter of the law and the intent, 
of the law. All right. Questions about that? Comments? Everybody's quiet tonight. You know, the first, it's 24 when I got in my car this morning. And I just feel like that slows everybody down the first few days of winter. Yeah. I, you're right. It's not winter. It's just fall. There's no, yes, ma'am. Mhm. 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 Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, that's a good statement. Mm-hmm. It, it, I did simplify that a little. Tracy's saying you could check your 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 bank statement or your time, but there are other ways that things can take over. And I would also say, God knows it's like, oh, I spend most of my time sleeping. Oh, your your God is sleeping. No, God knows you need to sleep five or six hours a day, or I'm married to someone that's like fourteen hours, whatever it is, you know, every day, whatever. That I'm not saying that it may not be quite that simple. You may have a mortgage. That doesn't mean you're you're married to your to your mortgage and that's your God. But look at where your priorities are and where your heart is and where what, what creates anxiety for you, right? Is it because you want to be living for God and you're trying your best to live for him? Or is it because you're worried about this debt? Or is it because you're worried about your job, right? So there's lots of things. I did simplify it a little bit. That's a good point. There are lots of ways when things could creep into your life and take over. And again... If I were to break down every minute of my day between sleeping and my job, that is the majority of what I do. I hope I don't consider either one of those my God, okay? Because I do have to buy food and pay the bills, and I do have to sleep at some point. So I, I, I may have made that a little simplified, but I think you understand the point. You want to know where your priorities are, and it's what's on your heart. What do you think about when you go to bed at night? Those are things that it can be somebody, something. It can be, I've told you about my... Um, my love of Alabama football, uh, and that's the reason I had to do away with Alabama football, at least for the most part, because one loss, and literally every day I was worried about that, 364 more days until we can have a good season, 363 more days until we can have a good season. Um, Thank you. So there are other ways things can certainly creep into your life and become your God. All right, the second one. Chapter 20, although you probably know it by heart. So first, as you shall have no other gods before me, what's the next one? You can summarize it if you want to. Right, don't make any idols. And he gives a, gives a list here. Don't make any graven images, I think is the King James, the way I learned it as a child, but no, other, no idols, okay? So what's the letter of the law mean? Literally, don't build anything as an idol. Correct, yeah. What's the intent of the law? Kind of carries over from that first one there, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, Anything that you worship, anything that you focus your worship on. Okay. Now, you may think, well, we've talked about that. I want to give you some that I, I sometimes think about, and I don't know that I have a good answer, but I have a hard time when people like to look at the cross. The cross... It does not represent God or Jesus. The cross is an idol if it does. We don't put Jesus into an idol. We don't put God into an idol. And you say, well, aren't we supposed to focus on the cross? Not literally on this thing that's like that. We're supposed to focus on the events of the cross. But let me tell you, 
Thousands of people died on a cross. Do we focus on all of them? No. We focus on that event because of one person. It's not the cross. It's the man who went to the cross and what he did on the cross. So if, if you view the cross as a symbol of religion, don't do that. That sounds like something petty, but don't do it. If you view the building as holy, don't do that. Oh, there's things we wouldn't do in a church building. Garbage. This is a building that is no different than any other building, but when we come here, we make it holy by who we are, right? So I've known of churches, and I may step on toes here. You can't have a piano on a Friday night for a wedding, and I would tell you that is not correct. And if you believe that, you do not have a scriptural basis for it. This building is not holy. It is not special. Other than the fact that we've dedicated it to God, meaning we used his money, but we could meet in a rented building. We could meet in an auditorium. We could meet on the hillside. We could meet in a house. God is not represented in a building. He's not held in a building. Right? We don't want to do a water balloon flight. That would be irreverent. There may be other reasons not to do a water balloon flight, but irreverence is not one of them because this building is not a reverent structure. Okay? Don't let anything encapsulate God. This one is not a big deal, but I tell you, I've never seen the Passion of the Christ. I've never seen the Passion of the Christ because it's a man-made event that they have no more information than what was put here. Anything that's said in that scripture that doesn't come, anything that's said in that movie that doesn't come from here is made up in speculation. I don't want to view an actor on the cross when I think about the Lord's Supper. Because it's not about the cross, physical. It's not about the person I see there who doesn't represent Jesus because he's good-looking, right? We already know that's not the case, right? It's about Jesus on the cross and what he did. And that's what I want to focus on. So just be careful with anything that you think represents God as a symbol. That may seem petty, and I'm not saying it's sinful to see that movie at all or to even think about that movie. That is just me, right? I'm not saying if the elders say we're not going to have a, a piano in the building at all to be safe, that's fine. But if you do it because you think the building is special, that's a problem. If you do it because you, because you think um, that movie is going to show you what happened on the cross, that's a problem. You want to know what happened on the cross? Here's where you go. This is what you look at. Right? So there's a reason that I don't focus on religious symbols, okay? Because I think they are idols. And I think we just need to be careful about that. What's the letter of the law? Pretty simple. Don't build anything. What's the intent of the law? Don't let anything represent God or focus on that rather than focusing on Him or draw your attention to that rather than drawing your attention to Him. Or you think that a physical thing is reverent or holy, right? God is reverent or holy. The only reason this place is special is because we come here to worship, and when we are here worshiping, it is a special place. Just like my house would be, just like that hillside would be, just like an auditorium would be, just like a movie theater would be. What makes it holy is his people. And even then, the building's not holy. It's us coming together, church. That's what makes it holy. All right, the third one. Anybody remember? Verse 7. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Okay? What does that mean? Don't use his name carelessly. I like that, ex- that, that explanation. What, it, um, what I grew up thinking was it meant, and I'm not using this careless, but I'm going to tell you it would be, oh my, and then saying the name of the right. And I agree that would be wrong to do that. 
Um, that's wrong to text OMG. I'm sorry, you've used the name of the Lord in vain, right? Uh, if you say OMG, you've used the name of the Lord in vain. That's what you've done, right? If you say, oh my gosh, you've used the name of the Lord in vain because it only has one meaning, and that is OMG, but it's being translated to oh my gosh, right? So that's what that means. However, it means you don't use it carelessly. I swear on the Lord. Whoa, whoa, you're going to invoke the Lord's name in something that you have no control over? As God is my witness. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you saying there? You're sure throwing that name out there, right? I'm just saying we have to be careful. Now, how did the Jews view this? They took it further, didn't they? Anybody remember what the Jews did? Right, you wouldn't say it incorrectly. Remember what they did when they wrote it? Let's wash, get a pen, write a letter. Wash, new pen, cleanse myself, write a letter. Wash, new pen, cleanse myself, write a letter. That's great. But let's not use them as an example because they got really roasted in the New Testament about forgetting the intent of the law while following the letter of the law. So I don't, I don't think we should be flippant or careless with the Lord's name, but I don't think we don't say the Lord's name, right? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a tough one because there's, uh, the question here is about so help me God, okay? Um, yeah, it, like in the court system, taking an oath. Um, I don't even know. The military oath may include that. I don't know the answer to that. I apologize. But that's a good question, and I don't know that I have a great answer. What I, what I was taught was I would not say that. So I, if I went to court, I would not swear. And if I went to court, which is a, not taking an oath in court is a misunderstanding of a verse. However, not using the Lord's name that way may not be a misunderstanding. I don't know that I have a great answer for that. Is anybody, you know, when you're saying, you know, I, um, I'll uphold the law or I'll, I'll tell the truth, so, so help me God, I think is at the end of those phrases. Do you have do you have an opinion on it? Or are you asking? Mm-hmm. 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 Correct, and I think you're making a good point about at the time that came about, God was at the forefront of everything. Nowadays, it is flippant, and I think that gets back to. Um, our attitude, right? In other words, it may not be what we say. It's not. It's how we say it. Saying the name of the Lord is not wrong. Saying it flippantly. Um, and there are there times when we can say, so let's use that as God is my witness, and I'm saying that because I'm hoping that what I'm saying and doing is true and correct. If I say it and I mean it, and I say it in a in a respectful way versus well as you know my witness I'll do it you know mm. there's a difference. Yeah, that, that King Herod is the one. You know, you're a god. Mm-hmm. If using the name of the Lord's name in vain is getting to what Russ said, and we died, we probably would watch the way we used it, right? And even then, if you used it and then a bunch of people around you picked up a stone and threw it at you, you probably would use it differently. 
And I don't know that I know where the, again, it may not be, it's not the words we say. It can be. There are, there are times when the saying some things are wrong. It's how we say it and why we say it. And invoking the Lord's name for a flippant reason, you know, oh, I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened at work, and I invoke the Lord's name as the fact that it is true. That's, that's a flippant reason to invoke the Lord's name. That's no reason to swear through the Lord or to say, so help me God, or to say, as God is my witness. This is a flippant story about something that doesn't matter, right? So I, I think that would be, I don't, I'll welcome James or Tony. I, I don't know that I have a great answer. As I think it's a case-by-case basis, and it's the attitude. I don't know that I have a great answer. OMG is the name of a company. So Tony's talking about the irreverence in our society, and he's back to kind of what Russ was saying. And because of that irreverence and the way it's used, we as Christians need to make sure that we step up and we act differently. And then, yeah, I did not know that was a name brand, OMG. Yeah. Huh. That That is pretty irreverent. Yeah. Now, you could use the, um, I mean, again, Tony can say things from the pulpit that are very reverent and invokes the Lord's name in the right way all the time, not just reading Scripture. There are things that we can talk about and thank God and praise God and even you know, use his name, provided it is done in a reverent way for the right reasons. So and I guess I would say it's not just how we say it. That could be irreverent or flippant. But why we say it, that could be irreverent or flippant. Right? So anyone else? I know it seems... I, I'm a little picky on some of those, but I think it's because of our society. They've gone such the other way. We just need to make sure that we are different. We are set apart. We are acting differently. And when somebody's around me, if they invoke the name of the Lord that way, they go, oh, I'm sorry, because they know it means something to me. It it bothers me. Yes. Yeah, that is a good point. You need to correct them on the spot. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That's exactly. Why bring Jesus into this in a flippant or irreverent way? That's a good point. Yeah. And oh, Tracy. Yeah. It's like it. it yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I had one of my daughters say "OMG," and I'm like, "Hey, wait a minute. Let's talk about that." And I'd love to say when it was 11 and she didn't know any better, but she and her husband were the one that I was talking to about it. So just a habit, just a habit. And it gets back to our society has degraded the name of the Lord so much. We don't just need to do the bare minimum to get by, right? We need to step it up. I like that. We need to step it up. We need to be different so that the name of the Lord is respected and that people know 
hey, I, I'm, I don't really want to be around that. That, that. That's hurtful to me because it's hurtful to my God. So, Yes. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. people think I'm invoking the name of the Lord. Well, that's great. I'm calling on the Lord. No, you're calling out the Lord. There's a difference between calling on the Lord and calling. Yeah, and that's what Tony's saying. There's a correct way to, a polite way to correct that because some really don't know. Um, and and uh, people might argue with me about the term, oh my gosh, or oh my golly. Um, I cannot tell you that's a sin, but what I can tell you is it only has one meaning, and it's the Lord's name in vain. So you can you can then study. Um, it, I I you, I said that one time in my life, so it actually hurts me to actually say it in front of a crowd, even though I'm. Um, and it's one of the two times, three times my mom has slapped me. My first, my earliest memory in life. I love my mother. She's a wonderful person, and it's probably a good thing she did this. My earliest memory in life, Court, the first memory I have in life, I was not in kindergarten yet. I was standing in my kitchen, and she had the, this tells you how much I remember this. She had the dishwasher pulled over the sink. You remember that? And you plug the dishwasher up to the sink, okay? It's my earliest memory in life. And the, my brothers were all in school, and my little sister wasn't there yet, so I was four, four and a half. And she said something, and I stuck my tongue out at her. And she looked directly at me and said, you never stick your tongue out again. And being the nice, kind four-year-old that I was, I closed my eyes, and I stuck my tongue out at her. And I opened my eyes as her hand came across my face. Probably would have been arrestable nowadays, but it was deserved, I'll tell you that. You know what? I have never stuck my tongue out at my mother. Today, if my mom said, stick your tongue out, no, ma'am. Mm-mm. I will not do it. She, yeah, that's right. She's winding up. I won't do it. But the other time I, I said, um, said, oh, my gosh, because I knew I wasn't saying the Lord's name. And as she smacked me and corrected me, she said, you, you just use the Lord's name. And she said, what did you think that word meant? You look up gosh in the dictionary, what does it mean? It doesn't mean, oh, my goodness. She said, you know that's not what it meant tried to act all innocent but after you get smacked it's hard to come back off of that you're you're done for all right sorry that was a good talk though okay what's the fourth one it's also about our relationship with god right remember the sabbath day keep it holy set it apart okay so to the letter of the law at the time of the jews this meant saturday the seventh day was different right? You're not going to do any work, okay? You are to remember what the Lord did for you, right? We have manna coming on, you don't collect it on the seventh day. We have quail coming, you don't collect it on the seventh day, right? So it had a letter of the law, right? What is the intent of the law? Good, that's remembrance. You're not just resting. You're not just getting a day off. Man, this is great. I got two days worth of manna yesterday. I can watch a little football here in Israel. This is wonderful, right? That's not the purpose. The purpose is remembrance. And then in the New Testament, we see that 
Jesus says, God made this for you. It's to be a benefit to you. When you remember, when you're rejuvenated, when you're reminded of, when you get a day of rest, the the Sabbath was not made for God's benefit. And that was what they missed. They missed the intent. It was made for man's benefit. Yet they came up with an additional 44 direct things you couldn't do on the Sabbath. By the way, they don't appear in here in case you want to go looking for them, right? Remember when he said, how many of you on the Sabbath day, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use an example that, he used, that Jesus used, and I'm going to use another example. You're walking along, your ox falls in a ditch, okay? It's out in the field on Sabbath, and you say, oh, well, the ox is going to die because I can't get it out of the ditch, right? So let's, let's paraphrase that. You're, you're out with your family, and your child falls in a well. You can't do any work on Saturday, right? That child is going to die, and you can just sit there and pray for him and watch him die. Say, oh, that would never happen. You don't think an oxen fell in a ditch on Sabbath occasionally? You don't think a wolf came after a sheep on the Sabbath occasionally? You think, you think the non-Jew animals took the Sabbath off too? Yeah. Jesus said, you missed the whole point. It wasn't so you sat back and made all these extra rules and did nothing. It was so you remembered and got some rest. But if Jesus wants to pluck a few kernels of grain to eat he needed to eat that is not work you missed the whole point of the sabbath all right so we need to be careful that we don't miss the whole point of the law so what about healing okay is healing work i can tell you that jesus well oh yeah healing oh healing on the sabbath yeah the yeah you rest you're rejuvenated you are you're brought closer to god you're healthier because of it your body is rejuvenated Yes, you have a healing spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, right? Your body needs that break. The Sabbath was designed for man. That's what Jesus told you. It was designed for man's benefit. God didn't need the Sabbath. He rested on the seventh day not because he was tired, right? God did not go, oh, that's been a lot of work, right? He didn't need a Sabbath. He didn't need a rest. It was made for man's benefit. They missed the intent of the law. This is one that Jesus hits pretty hard, right? And this is one of the two main reasons Jesus is crucified. The main is he claimed to be the Son of God. But it's because of what he did on the Sabbath that he got almost stoned once, that he got followed, that, he, that they said, we got to get him, right? He claimed to be the Son of God. That's a problem. We're going to kill him. He healed on the Sabbath. He plucked some grain on the Sabbath. He healed again on the Sabbath. How dare he? Right? This is one that infuriated him. Jesus never violated the law. Never once violated the law. So, obviously, they missed the intent. And then they also had the, we won't even get into because we've talked about it the last few weeks, the man-made laws, right? The man-made add-ons. It, we've talked about that and kind of beat that. Um, does the Sabbath carry over to the New Testament? So I would say I would say yes from a standpoint of remembrance, right? Now, it is not the seventh day. We know, we know in the New Testament they met on the first day of the week to worship. We know that 100% it is stated. We know in the New Testament on the first day of the week they partake of the Lord's Supper. We know that, right? We know that Jesus was raised on the first day, right? So we know that the day at which we are supposed to do our come-together worship... Right? That come-together worship is the first day of the week. We also know that Paul said some people may still view holy days, 
but you do not have to be a Jew to be a Christian, and so the Sabbath is not binding. Neither is circumcision, right? So we know we're released from that no work on the Sabbath, right? But the Sabbath is still in effect from a standpoint of we still need a day to remember. Now, we should remember every day. It doesn't have, the first day of the week is not, I don't know that I, that, that I should say it this way, but the first day of the week is not a holy day, okay? You can't not cut your grass on the first day, I mean, the, on Sunday. Oh, if you cut your grass, you no, no, I don't see that, okay? Oh, if you're a, if you're a nurse, you can't work on a Sunday. No, I don't, I don't see that. A fireman can't work on a Sunday, a doctor, a policeman, or somebody in the military. I don't see that. It is not a holy day. And is it God's day? Is, it, is Sunday God's day? Absolutely. Is Monday God's day? Yeah. And, and so is Tuesday. So Sunday is the day of our come-together worship. It is not a holy day. It is not a special day. It is not a holiday. Okay? It's not what you can't do, but what you should do. We're, there are things we know we must. I hate to use the word must like we're obligated, but must do on Sunday. Right? Because we are obligated. Hopefully you're not doing it out of obligation, but we are obligated. But I don't see a list of things we can't do on Sunday. I don't. Well, there's no different than other days. I guess I should say it that way. There's lots of things we shouldn't do on Sunday because we shouldn't do them any day of the week. So, All right. Um, that is actually a good stopping point. Five through ten, uh, we're going to shift from our relationship with God to our relationship with our fellow mankind so um all right thank you very much for your comments they were wonderful and um we will see you well no don't be dismissed yet we got sorry we got a time of devotional sorry about that be in our devotional in just a minute